how about a little bit of bonus content? How about that? How about a little bit of extra stuff from uh, your friends here on the, the World Wide Web? Uh, honestly, what I'm doing here today, and this is hopefully going to be the first of several, but it's, it's the time of year that I think so many racers are thinking about the same things. And I get it. You're, uh, you know, the air's good, right? The air's going to be good this weekend, so you're probably thinking about going out and setting your career best if you've got a little bit of racing left on your calendar here in 2019. But so many of us that operate inside the world of drag racing or motorsports in general, you're, uh, you're starting to think about sponsorship deals, right, and trying to get some help. I hear that so much. All I need is just a little help to go racing. So just so you know, you know, we're headed into trade show season. We're a week away from the 2019 SEMA show in Las Vegas. We're about a month away from the PRI show in Indianapolis. And beyond those events, this is just a time of year that I'll tell you most companies are putting together their budgets for 2020, for the for the coming year, right? They're starting to think about what worked, what didn't work, where they want to experiment, where they want to try to do better. And if you're ever going to get a deal with a with a company, whether it's, you know, an actual cash deal, which I will tell you right now are kind of a few and far between, or if it's some business to business deal or a sales commission kickback type of program, um, if you're going to get that deal done, you're probably going to get it done, I would say, in the next 90 days. Um, and that's not always the case. There are always exceptions. But by and large, this is the time of year when I think everybody is kind of laboring over putting some deals together for next year to go drag racing, right? And like I said, I hear it so frequently. I just need a little bit of help. And that's what I want to give you guys. It won't be in the form of dollars and parts or anything like that. But I hope to, with a with a slew here of short bonus episodes of the podcast, I want to give you guys a little bit of, you know, hopefully inspirational uh, commentary, if you will, you know, a little bit of behind the scenes commentary and just some shared experience, sharing some of the experiences that I've had in selling sponsorships. I'm happy to answer any questions that, that I might get. So if you guys want to shoot me an email, Wes at dragillustrated.com, shoot me an email, ask me a question, and I will try to answer it here on the podcast. I'm going to shorten these way up, try to keep them under 25 minutes and just really plow through all the little things, just understanding sponsorships, understanding how they work, understanding how they how they uh, how they happen, right? Understanding the sponsorships that that last a long time, that seem to to really work for everybody involved, and really just some of the mental stuff that you have to kind of prepare yourself for or embrace if you're ever going to be good at this type of thing. So, one of the things that I want to do, which is a little bit uncomfortable for me, but I feel it's important because oftentimes with Anytime you go to a seminar, you go to a class or whatever, I think there are people that like to throw that phrase around, um, those who can do, those who can't teach. And I've, I've used it, to be honest. I've actually said those things myself. But I, I, I want to give a little bit of background on myself. Many of you know me well, but I, I'd like to give a little bit of background on what, what all's gone on for me personally the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, and hopefully give you guys a little bit of perspective that the, the things I'm about to share with you over the course of the next however long, these aren't things that I'm just completely pulling out of my you-know-what. These are things that, these are experiences that I've had. There are things that I've learned. And I'll tell you, it really started, honestly, before we started Drag Illustrated. In the, in the middle 2000s, around 2004, I guess, I took a, took a gig as the general manager of a small eighth-mile drag strip in southeast Iowa. And that was really probably my first, it wasn't my first go-round, but it was when I was 
the, the pressure was really on to start selling sponsorship deals. And back then, I think the, the foundational program we had at uh, the little racetrack was I sold a deal. I remember it was a crowning moment of my life at that point in time. I think I was 21 years old, and I sold a deal to a local uh, factory type of deal for 18,000 bucks. And it was, it was like the bedrock of our program for, 2000, for 2005. I mean, it was such an important, getting that money was so important. And it was, I remember trying to wrap my head around, how am I going to convince these people to give me this money for a billboard, the, some signage on our two seat dragster that we had and some, some hospitality components. But it was, it's funny because looking back, we delivered in spades. They were super stoked. It was a long-lasting relationship that still exists in some, I don't know exactly the details of the, of the program today, but I know that it still exists. And I look back on that and I'm going, man, we were kind of ahead of our time, you know, because we knew that there had to be more involved than putting a sticker on stuff. You know, I knew that we couldn't just put a decal on the car. I knew we couldn't just hang a, you know, a sheet of plywood with their logo on it. I knew that there had to be more to it than that if we wanted it to be a long-lasting deal. So you go back to 2004 or whatever, that's probably the biggest deal that I'd sold at that time. And since then, we, we've started Drag Illustrated. I mean, we went on to sell a ton of, you know, small sponsorships and event sponsorships at the, at the racetrack. And I transferred that experience into the publishing world in the fall of 2005 and spring of 2006 when we were really getting rocking and rolling with Drag Illustrated. So even in those first issues, I think the first issue we printed, we sold like $15,000 with advertising. I was shocked. And since then, I would say in 15 years, we've, you know, encroached or maybe exceeded probably, you know, I would say maybe $15 million in advertising sales. And I only say that not to toot our horn or anything, but just to make it known that we, we have a track record of successfully selling visibility, selling a marketing tool. And that's what I look at as a, you know, a race team being. It's just a tool. It's, a, it's one of the things that you can do with your money uh, in, in terms of marketing or advertising. It's one of the things. It's parts, it's pieces that you can use to, to be successful. And there's a lot of different things, obviously, that, you can, that you're kind of after when you're sponsoring a car or whatever. The same thing when you're buying an ad in a magazine or on a website or sponsoring an event. So I kind of just wanted to give you guys a little bit of background and, you know, so that you understand that these are experience, this is stuff that I'm involved in daily. So it's not, it's not made up. This isn't all I mean, there's books out there. There's there's websites that you can that you can dive into that are going to teach you a little bit about how all this stuff works. But I just want to let you guys know. I, I the main, one of the main reasons I I tell you all that is because it works. It's possible. It really is possible. I look around at the sport of drag racing right now, and I'm I'm stunned by it because there are so many success stories. There are so many people that are using the tools that are available to them in 2019 social media, uh, smartphones, all the different digital camera technology. Like, it's unbelievable what you're able to do to get yourself, to get your race program in front of people. It's, it's so crazy. I mean, it's the visibility that you can achieve with an iPhone, for instance, is, it, it's unbelievable. So all those things said, I think the time, there's probably never been a more exciting time if you're looking to get yourself a sponsorship. So I'm going to, you know, cover a lot of stuff here over the course of the next uh, few days and weeks. But I, 
I think probably here early on, I want to talk about just, you know, kind of what a real race sponsorship looks like or an event sponsorship looks like, what people are looking for. And we'll start um, kind of right off the top, I guess, with kind of what I believe to be the three kind of basic principles of a, of a functional sponsorship, right? So the, there's three things typically that you're, you're, you have the ability to provide. If you can provide all of them, it's, you know, obviously fantastic, but you may be heavy on one of these things, but there's typically there's a, a sales, a measurable business impact thing. You need to be able to provide some sort of measurable impact on sales for this company. Secondly, you need to be able to provide them a a business friendly a uh, a business friendly I would say promotional platform, right? A whether that's you know hospitality type of things, a, a corporate hospitality welcoming in guests or potential customers or whatever. That's a part of it, right? Thirdly, is kind of the the which I think is the least important thing is just the advertising, the the signage aspect, whether it's your trailer wrap or a logo on the side of the car. I believe that to be kind of the the low man on the totem pole there. That's the probably the last benefit, you know? Most of these companies that you deal with, I think you're going to find especially now because you got to remember these companies have all the same tools available to them that you do. So you have to really stand out. You have to really be doing something special going above and beyond and more so than anything else probably providing a real ROI what's ROI uh, return on investment I do think this is something that gets thrown around like crazy I, I do believe that a lot of these sponsors are looking for a a return on their investment whenever they make I mean a real tangible like a real number they're going to hey if I'm going to give this guy a thousand bucks is he going to generate five thousand dollars with a sales for me is this exposure, is his personality, is his network, whatever, is is the success that he has influential enough to, to generate $5,000 worth of sales for us? I don't, I think a lot of these companies have different formulas, different ratios, right? You'll see on the internet, you go Google and motorsports sponsorship or whatever, you're going to find all sorts of stuff, three to one, five to one. I think it's all over the map. And I think it's really dependent on the relationship, the company, the size of the company, all these different things. And you know, I know people that honestly spend money in motorsports that, that don't care at all. They just want to be involved in a sport. It's more of a philanthropic kind of play than it is a business play. Those are obviously few and far between, but I just want to kind of open your guys' eyes to how all these things work. And I guess, you know, really, first and foremost, one of the things that I think gets glossed over, it's very rarely talked about. I want to talk about the, the reality of a sponsorship because I think before you listen to 10 more episodes of this before you uh, and apologies for my allergies but before you listen to another hour two hours three hours of sponsor you know sponsorship chasing content I want to basically present to you some of the harsh realities of being a sponsored race car driver right so you want to be a, a sponsored driver so you want to get a sponsor right I got to tell you, it's not, not only is it not easy to do, it's not easy to live up to. And I think that before you move forward or before you send out that next sponsorship proposal or before you ring someone's phone number, you need to take a good hard look at whether or not you're prepared to be sponsored. And I, and I, 
and I'll start with saying, like, do you present yourself as a professional? Do, does your race team look professional? Does your, do, do you guys behave collectively on a professional, uh, in a professional fashion? Do you feel confident, confident and comfortable being an extension of a brand or an extension of a company? Because that's what you most assuredly become. Are you willing to, to go the links that will be inevitably required to keep this sponsorship? And to, uh, to keep people happy and to keep people invested in what you're doing. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. But I'll, um, I'll expound on this by telling a quick story. I put together a sponsorship deal or was involved in a sponsorship deal very heavily with a pro mod drag race and the NHRA pro mod drag racing team that had sold a sponsorship to a tequila company. This has been a few years ago, and it was, it was actually a really exciting deal. There was some real money involved, not big money, but some money involved. And it was a, but it was a great program. By, by all accounts, everybody was very confident with it and very satisfied with the way the whole deal had been put together. But I remember going into the um, NHRA U.S. Nationals, right? It's uh, one of the last Pro Mod races of the year, right? So their points are, there are points implications. People are kind of stressed. It's been, you know, we, we've been through the summer and we're, what, eight races into the season or something like that. And everybody's kind of blown some stuff up and had some trials and tribulations. So it's the NHRA U.S. Nationals and our tequila sponsor on Thursday night, right, want the car and the driver, the Pro Mod and the driver, at a liquor store in Indianapolis for a multi-hour autograph signing session. And I remember it was in that moment that I go, man, sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for because I got a crew of people, a whole crew of guys pissed because we've got to find a flatbed, a rollback, right? We got to get someone with a rollback to come here, load up this pro mod, get it strapped down, get the front end back on it, right? Get it to a liquor store, unload it, Try to rope it off or something so you know don't have somebody laying across the hood of the thing, and then we get to stand there and sign autographs most of the night, and then go back, get the car back to the track, unload it, get it put up in the trailer, which you know you you're not going to leave, you can't leave this stuff sitting out all night, so you got to put the thing back in the trailer, and it's it was a huge deal. And everybody involved was glad to do it, ultimately, and it was a phenomenal thing. I remember it was massively successful. That weekend was a landmark for that, uh, for that particular company because the, the, the activation that we did at the racetrack where we brought in a bunch of uh, local liquor store open owners and a bunch of local bar owners, we brought them in, treated them as family, as our guests all day on Saturday. We, we did the display on Thursday night at the liquor store, and I'll tell you that I don't have all the, the the specific numbers in front of me, but I know that that was the largest Monday of orders of sales that tequila company had ever experienced. That's how much goodwill we were able to generate that weekend for this tequila company. And I'm so glad we did it, but I'll tell you, it was hard work. I mean, it was like break a sweat work, right? I mean, you put gloves on work because, and and that's something that I want to, before we carry on into how to structure your program, right, and business-to-business -business programs and what the car means and what signage means and kind of setting goals and being realistic and, and, and all these different things that I feel is important, I really think that there has to be a hard, fast understanding that it's not all cash and checks and, and, and print and decals. I think a lot of people look at sponsorships and they go, oh, man, I'll put your, I'll wrap my whole car and I don't care. Well, they don't either. 
promise you. They don't either. And this whole deal is getting a sponsorship and maintaining a sponsorship in, in racing is not a matter of cash and checks and sticking on decals. That's just really not how it works, especially if you want a sponsorship that's going to last a while and going to work for everyone and be a classic win-win situation. So before we dive into all that, I really just want to make sure that you guys are taking the time to ask yourselves, are we willing to live up to this? Are we willing to deliver on this and live up to whatever bullet points we put on a presentation, whatever bullet points we put on a, you know, whatever line items and deliverables, which are words you're going to hear me use a lot. Uh, deliverables are like the pirate's uh, a booty, right? I mean, this is, uh, this is the whole thing. Like this is the, the deliverables will be what your sponsor's expecting to get in exchange for whatever they've done for you, dollars, uh, parts, whatever. The, the deliverables are critical in any sponsorship program. So you're going to hear me say that a lot. But before you start worrying about deliverables and you start putting together your packages, and I, and I know how everybody does it, A, B, C, gold, silver, bronze, some of these things are, you know, classic and, and kind of tried and true. Uh, before you go through all that, I would ask that you spend a little bit of time examining yourself, right? And, and I think being realistic is super important in all this, right? Because there's a couple things. Before I beat you down and tell you to be realistic, I would also remind you that there there are plenty of examples of run-of-the-mill drivers with run-of-the-mill programs that are getting sponsor dollars. And I'm not calling anybody out, but I'm just telling you that don't don't think you have to race top fuel and have 15 world championships to get a sponsor. You do not. You absolutely do not. Look look no further than Megan Meyer in Top Alcohol Dragster, who has some real sponsorship programs. She has some real deals that she's put together to go race sportsman drag racing. Not taking anything away from Top Alcohol Dragster, but these are, you know, these races aren't on Fox live on Sunday at noon. These are races that are, you know, often played tape delay on TV. Uh, you know, there's not millions of fans showing up at those events, but but she's created a brand, a personal brand that's strong enough that companies want to be involved with her. They want to use, they want access to her audience, right? So, anyways, don't think that there isn't a lot of opportunity out there, and don't take what I'm saying here as a negative thing. I just do think that. Before you dive into the the next episode of this kind of racer self help sponsorship 101 program, take some time to examine how you behave, uh, how how you're how yourself and how you're uh, how you are um, known in the industry, right? Because one of the things that I run into is, I mean, you're gonna have to start thinking. You get a sponsorship, just for instance, with uh, one of these major tire manufacturers. Let's use Mickey Thompson as an example. You know, th- they're gonna do some head hunting. Before they start shipping you pallets of tires, which no guarantee that they're even going to do that, but but you got to know that they're going to look, more than likely, someone in that company is going to look at your Facebook page. They're going to look to see the type of stuff you're sharing. Is everything, every post you make about a Waffle House fight? Is every post you make calling some company out because they didn't fix, you know, return your product fast enough or their product fast enough or whatever didn't, they missed a shipping date? You have to be really careful of the things that you say. And I know it's something that I've struggled with because even, you know, I compare the way the things that I would say 
publicly in 2005 versus the things that I would say publicly in 2015 or, or here in 2019, it, it, it's a lot different. And I, and I hate that, you know, I mean, there's part of me that goes, man, that, that sucks. But heavy is the head that wears the crown, friends. I mean, it, it, it's just the baggage. It's the necessary baggage that comes with, you know, representing a lot of different people and, and, and being accountable to a lot of different people. So I would encourage you to you know, think about all this. I, I remember one time I was standing under the tower at Heartland Motorsports Park in Topeka, Kansas, and it was uh, the ADRL. I think the ADRL, the American Drag Racing League, went to Topeka like a couple times in the summer. It was brutal hot. And I remember I had sought, uh, sought shelter under the tower, the little breezeway there, and I, I walk up on Jason Scruggs, who's one of my I consider him a close friend. He's someone I've I've looked up to and admired for a long time. He was the guy. He's the kind of guy that we started Drag Illustrated to cater to. We felt guys like Jason Scruggs, the outlaw eighth mile racer, the outlaw pro mod guy, the outlaw door slammer guy was kind of, I don't know, underexposed. They didn't get the exposure and the, the visibility that they deserved. And that's why we started Drag Illustrated. But Jason and I became fast friends. He was on the he's been on the cover of the magazine two, maybe three times. Anyways, I walked up to him and somehow the conversation turned to sponsorship. And I asked him, I said, Jason, why, why don't you, I mean, I can't believe Jason Scruggs from Tupelo, Mississippi or Satilla, Mississippi can't get a sponsor. Like, he, why don't you, you know, I, I hear people talk about it, Jason. And I remember he looked at me and he goes, well, Wes, you know, buddy, um, I just, you know, I hate to, we race for fun, you know, we race for fun, and I just don't know that I really want to, you know, we've had some people come to us and offer us some money, but I just, I really don't know that, that that's a good fit for us, I mean, what if we got a farm, we, what if we had to miss a race, you know, we, we really don't have time to do displays and, and bring the car out different places, and I thought, wow, what a, what a, like, incredible kind of self-examination, he, Jason told me, he went on to tell me that, man, we've had some companies come to us and be willing to kind of throw some pretty serious money at us, right? And, and they felt like it just wasn't a good fit because they were, they, they raced for fun. They raced at a pro level. Make no bones about it. They raced at a pro level. They, I mean, they were kicking ass and taking names, setting records first to 200 in the eighth mile. I mean, I, I don't know how many ET records the guy has first evers and multiple championships and clean cut, hard work in this, this very relatable story, right? I mean, this guy's a cotton farmer by and large, but it never made sense for them because they knew that they couldn't, they didn't want, nor could they live up to the demands of a, of a legit sponsorship deal. So I always thought, thought that was kind of interesting. And I think it's something that gets glossed over because I'll see someone, the same people that I see or have asked me every fall, if I can help them with some sponsorship stuff or whatever the case may be, it's um, it's almost inevitable that the very next week I see them posting like a way risque photo of their girlfriend or some random chick they met on their social media or some profanity laced deal tirade about something that happened at a race or some fellow competitor. And I think to myself like, man, I just throw those sponsorship proposals away because whatever goodwill you're creating you know, in this moment, you are completely annihilating the next day. And that's not to say that I don't want you folks to be yourself. I do. I think it's important to be authentic. I think it's really important to kind of toe that line of 
how far can I go without going too far? I want to, I, I encourage people to say what they think. I encourage people to be open and honest. And, and like I said, authenticity is so important today. Th- this is an industry and a group of people that can sniff out a brother in arms like immediately. They know if you're the real deal or not. People are smart. And there's, there's a lot of people that think, oh, everybody's dumb. No, man, these people, there's a group of people that can get a read on someone pretty quickly. And so you have to keep those things in mind as you move forward in your sponsorship journey. And I do want to wrap this thing up, but there's a lot, a lot of things that go into this. But I do, uh, I do think it's important to realize that like there are tons of great drivers. There are tons of really talented wheelmen, right? There are tons of uh, really killer race teams out there. I mean, I know tons of teams that, like, if I had to make a list of people that I thought had really good racing programs, right? It, it there's there's a ton of them, right? There's a ton of them, but don't they don't always get a sponsor, right? Like, so don't think that your track record or is is a surefire way to lock up a deal. It's not all about winning, right? It, it, it's it's really not. It's about this kind of unique harmony, this concert of sorts of, you know, I think success on the track is is a bonus, but it's the visibility, it's the sales environment, it's the uh, the hospitality component. There's all these different ways to provide value to a sponsor, and I think that it's important, to be honest, that you you, you know all these things going in, you're willing to be tough on yourself and kind of really drill down on whether or not you're prepared to do this. What kind of fall, how much attention do you pay to these things? Do you, do you, are you doing your social media stuff? Are you developing an email list? Do you have a website? Do you, do you have crew? I mean, are you prepared to do it? So ask yourself those questions before you click play on the next episode here. Just wrap your head around the kind of harsh realities that go with this type of, of thing. And I think it's super, I know it's probably not the most, um, it's not the most uh, uh, glamorous conversation to have right off the top, but I do just think people have to really ask themselves, are they prepared to be sponsored? Do you really want to sponsor? <laughs>